Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 370 for Monday, December 19th, 2011. Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips, we look it all over. We try to provide some answers. We have a little discussion here and together we all try to learn a little something new about the Mac and other Apple stuff here from Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. And I got to say here. that that episode. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, back to back to and you, Pete. And then I'll, I'll make it a... with Dave. Not in the same place as Dave, but next to him. <laughs> His pilot, Pete. That's right. We are not uh, breaking the laws of physics here. We are, we are in the same room, but That's not it. the uh, same place. Awesome. But, but we did have one person point out. So, of course, 370 is not as pleasing as 369. But then uh, one of our listeners pointed out that they are so looking forward to episode 4816, which will then meet that that pleasing, right? Oh, 4816. Four I times one, four times that. two, four, four, or 12. I'm sorry. Did you calculate the approximate date of uh, episode <laughs> four eight one six uh, or twelve? I'm sorry. So oh, well, either way, it one, four times two, four times three. But right, but you could. It could be four times four is eight. You know, and and now four times four is sixteen. So we could do powers of four, and then that, it's a whole different thing. But by then I, we would be at I, two four eight. Well, actually, we've already done two four eight. But we, ow, we missed that. Oh, so. my brain. So anyway, John, what were you saying? You, Sorry, did you All I know is I, I, unless we step up our production schedule, I don't think you, neither of us will, sadly, I don't think either of us will be alive if, if it comes to episode 4,800. I don't know. I mean, we've done, 12. you know, three, figure 300 episodes in six years because we're at 370 now. Well, maybe, maybe not even quite. So we'll hit a thousand in, in about another 12 years, right? Assuming yeah, maybe another 10 years. Right. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We've got but enough about the future. Let's get back to the present. <laughs> so, um, I had an interesting discussion this week, John, that, that led to a question that we're going to answer. But, um, in, in the process of this, I realized that there's a lot of things that we talk about in this show, uh, kind of the foundation, if you will, that, we accept as sort of stuff that we see every day and maybe don't even think about it. And yet uh, it's brand new stuff to, to our listeners and having conversations and helping people, you know, face to face with their computers where we can actually interact back and forth kind of helps us realize that. And, and so one of the things I wanted to talk just a little bit about today, John was the finder uh, because there's some cool things that you can do with the finder, not necessarily advanced stuff, but uh, but just some tips. And, and there were a couple I came across and I, I, I think I hope you've got uh, maybe a couple little that'll come to mind. And then we'll and then we'll go into the rest of the questions in the show. But, I got a uh, boatload. OK, good. Great. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, in a lot of the answers and when we're going through stuff, we wind up talking about the home folder. And and when you're reading articles, especially articles that we write, it might be called we might call it the home folder or sometimes it's going to be abbreviated as tilde. And tilde is your home folder. Uh, and that's just the way the terminal uh, refers to it or a shortcut that you can use in the terminal, sometimes in the terminal to refer to it. But when we talk about the home folder, what we're talking about is if you're in the finder on your Mac, 
you have uh, in in uh, Lion, it's called Places. I think previously it was called Favorites. But uh, in the Places list, you will see uh, an icon. You got that, that reversed, but. Oh, sorry. That's right. I forgot. I'm in on, Lion, it's Favorites. Yeah, because I'm looking I, right. right now between the two. But yeah, so sorry. it's it's different name for same essentially thing. the same thing, which is important locations on your Mac. And, and of course, in, in both, it, it shows the home folder is a, a little home yeah you're gonna have a little house yeah you're gonna have a little house and next to it is what's commonly referred to as your short username so when you set up your account on your mac or when somebody set it up for you you have um your username which for me let's say is is dave hamilton in fact that's exactly what it is on my macs but my short username i've defined as just dave now i might have defined it as dave hamilton or i might have defined it as dave h or d ham whatever i wanted but uh, but that's what's going to be next to that. Now, when you click on that, it brings you to your home folder. If you have to navigate here otherwise and you can't get to this uh, places or favorites list, depending on which OS you're on, you can get there simply by going to your hard drive, going to the users folder. And then in there, uh, you will see all the home folders. And if you only have one user to find, you will see two folders here. Typically, one is your home folder and the other is named shared uh so this is uh this is one little thing about uh about the finder that again we talk about so much and i'm sure we'll talk about in today's show in in some ways shape or form and i just wanted to you know i wanted to kind of kick this off with with that so hopefully that explains where the home folder is inside the home folder of course are uh not only your documents your music your movies but also a library folder that holds a lot of application data and settings and preferences and and that sort of thing too so that that's the first one on my list, John. Why don't you take the first one on your list and we'll bat it back around a little bit. Great. Well, I'm going to take the first one that's not on my list because I just found it as we were we were talking Even about better. this here. Um, we've had a lot of people ask us this and, and I'll tell you where you're going to find this in both Snow Leopard and Lion. So we have gotten questions where people have said, gee, you know what? I used to see whatever on my desktop, the desktop being the space, uh, not the finder window, but just the, the general, you know, thing that's behind all of that stuff here. And a lot of times people are used to seeing certain things there. And we've gotten questions saying, Oh my gosh, what happened to it? Where did it go? It disappeared because some people prefer to be able, especially if you've worked with a system that that's been set up this way to have certain things on the desktop, which you again, double click on them and then they'll lead you to a finder window that's relevant. <clears throat> And the place that you want to find this is if you go to the finder menu and you say preferences and you say general, you're going to see checkboxes and you can tune this accordingly depending on what you want to see or what you don't want to see. Maybe it's overwhelming or or it clogs your desktop because I've seen some pretty messy desktops, both uh, physical and (laughs) virtual. Um, But you're going to see checkboxes and you can and in both Snow Leopard and Lion, you're going to see hard disks, external disks, CDs, DVDs, iPods and servers. Um both in the general category of the finder preference. Um, the other thing that I just noticed here, which I think is useful and actually something that I switched back to the way I'd like it um, because lion changes this behavior a little bit and always annoyed me. And now I just figured out how to change it. There's another choice here. Uh, so this is actually two. And then we'll go back to you, Dave, where it says new finder window opens. And now normally, or at least what I like is I like it to open the aforementioned home folder. And that was the choice of my snow leopard machine, but on my lion machine, it was set to open the, which I find kind of annoying, the all my files view. 
So I actually switched it back to my home folder view. So oh yeah. I forgot about that. Consistent. All my, I forgot about that. All my, yeah, I'm, thing. I'm not crazy about it. Some people may like it, but I much prefer if I open a new finder window to come into my home folder. Cause that's a, a natural place to, to start things. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. Cool. Uh, all right. So one other thing that came up this week, we talked about where you find your desktop in a finder window, which is in that either places or favorites. What you may not realize is uh, you can do a couple things with that list. First of all, you can reorder the items in that list uh, simply by grabbing them and dragging them up and down. Uh, grab the name or grab the icon and just move uh, and it will move things around. The other thing you can do with that list is you can move things well into it and out of it. So if there's something there that you never use, you can go ahead and take it out of there. Uh, and all you do to take it out is grab the folder and drag it out and it will disappear in a little poof of smoke. And if you want to drag a folder or even a document in, you can do that too. just navigate to that uh, in the finder and then drag it over and place it in that list where you want it. Again, you can organize it however you want and, uh, and it, it'll appear there. So you can use this. And remember, in this uh, shows up in most file dialog windows, too, which means that uh, you can I, I have my documents folder over there, of course, but I also have subfolders of my documents folder. I've got one for Mac Observer, one for Backbeat Media, you know, one for music. And I put all of those in my favorites. And that way they're there in the finder and in my uh, when I'm going to open or, or uh, save files. Really, really handy stuff. So, you know, that, that again, these are things that I've been doing for so long that I completely forgot about the fact that this isn't how maybe everybody doesn't know this. And so that's why we wanted to uh, to share this stuff. So go go ahead, John. Keep uh, keep us rolling here. All right. I got one. And then I think uh, uh, Pete may actually have one to offer All us, right. but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to step on Pete here. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. <laughs> so another one in Finder Preferences, which is another place where you may not know how to tune this. So, of course, th there's the sidebar, which appears on the left hand side of the screen. And how do I change what's there, you may ask? And well, I'm going to tell you because it's in the same place. Finder Preferences and there's a sidebar preference. And depending on how much you can put up with or what you want to see, you may want to tune this. And in both Snow Leopard and Lion, there are several general categories. Devices, which could be your, your computer, hard disks, exter external disks, even your iDisk, uh, shared, different places, and a search for thing, which, you know, I actually got to shut that off because I, I never use that particular view. I don't know how many people do. I, I personally have never gotten rid of it or used it, Dave. And actually, I should probably just uncheck everything there because I really don't use it. If I want to do a search, I do it manually. And actually, I see here on Lion, it doesn't appear. I think it, it was just in Snow Leopard. Yeah, they get rid of it in Lion nicely. Yeah. But again, Although, sidebar, sidebar is, so again, sidebar okay. is, it preferences, sidebar is where you can tune what you see on the left-hand uh, left column there. And you may want to add things or subtract things, depending on, on exactly what you want to see. I, I find the ones that are especially useful, especially in the shared section there um you know back to my mac connected server bonjour computers uh a lot of times you may want to know if if a shared device has has popped onto the network and that's that's where you are going to be able to tune that behavior cool cool all right uh yeah that's good stuff they you know that search for stuff is gone in lion but 
Uh, if you create a search and say you want to save it, it will populate over in the sidebar of your line. It just won't be in the mm-hmm. search for uh, section. I think it I think it actually puts it in favorites is is what it does. Uh, I would have to check yeah. that because I'm not on a lion machine right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Pete. OK, well, actually, one kind of dovetails to what John was just saying. And I, I actually take one of my folders that I frequently use and have to save documents to for work and that sort of thing. And I drag that over into my sidebar. So that's always there. So I don't have to drill down two or three levels to get there quickly. Yep. Excuse me. But one of the other things I I like to do at the risk of having someone's uh, toolbar wind up looking like their desktop, uh, I have two or three uh, automator programs that I've written. One resizes my JPEG files for the, uh, for, to to email them. And another one I use uh, takes, uh, it renames it to all lowercase because I put things up on the web at all lowercase. I can remember, I don't have to remember what's high or what's low. So I've written a couple automator things. You can drag those into the toolbar and implement them with just a single button click uh, and a couple other, like a JavaScript program a friend of mine wrote for me for working with my schedule at work. It's not really an app, but I can call it up by placing that in the toolbar of the finder. Just drag it up there to the toolbar and then you can find it, you know, use it anytime you want. And you can use cute little icons by doing screen capture and then the get info and the edit that icon. icon So yeah, paste the icon to it. So uh, I customized my toolbar a little bit and I find very few Mac users with customized toolbars. You know, that was a real, a popular feature. And by the toolbar folks, we're talking about the, the top right. of your finder window, right? Right. Uh, to the left of the search and to the right of all your other icons that you might have uh, in the, well, in the toolbar. Uh, but uh, it, it, that was a big feature. I think they touted that in, in 10.1 when that came out. Oh, okay. And and then they came up with this customizable sidebar and, and it sort of went away, obviously not in functionality, but in terms of marketing and, and that right. sort of thing. And, and so, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now you can also customize your toolbar with, uh, with Apple options as well by going to the view menu and choosing customize toolbar. And there's other sure. stuff you can throw up there. You can put spaces in and, this stuff is interchangeable and intermixable with the things with the the stuff you throw up there. So you can put your own stuff in and put separators in and spaces and, uh, and all that. So yeah, really good stuff. I forgot about that. Yeah. I guess I'd add on to that. Also, if you want to get something out of the toolbar, you got to hold down the command button to drag it out of the toolbar. It won't just drag out. And, uh, that happens up with the uh, toolbar across the uh, desktop as well too. Okay. You, uh, the, you mean the it. menu bar? The menu bar, yeah. Yes, that's right. If you want to take yeah. something out of there, you, you grab it so. with the command key. I, I And I I always remember that by saying, I'm going to command you to be deleted, because otherwise I'm hitting shift and option and control. I can't remember <laughs> its command. That's right. Cool. Anything else, John? I think I've exhausted my, uh, my, my um, short list here. Very quickly, this is a general tip for getting additional options in just about any program. Yep. But within the finder, so... Your friend is the alt or the option key. And I, I noticed a few uh, interesting things. So one thing you may want to do if you've got some time to kill is just go through the programs that you're using. And as you highlight a menu, hold down the alt or option key to see if anything changes. And it probably will in, in some programs, or at least this is, a, a, I think, mostly an Apple convention, but other people glom onto this as well. But here are a few things that I noticed. So within the finder, in the file menu, if you hold down the alt or option key, Open with will change to always open with. This uh, is with Lion, so that's kind of neat. Get info will change to show inspector, which is a, a different way of getting information about a file or files. And then quick look will change to slideshow. So that's in the file menu. And then what I noticed in the edit menu, 
again, holding on the alter option key, paste will change to move. Hmm. That's okay. only in Lion. Right, right. Just these so are all Lion. I, I just checked yeah. these well, in Lion. They may be slightly different. Actually, everything you said uh, for the file menu works in Snow Leopard, but but Lion, the paste <clears throat> move thing is new. Yeah. Or maybe that was brought on by the last thing I'm going to mention. And then I noticed that select all changes to deselect all, which I had never heard of until I started monkeying around. with these keys, monkeying around because we love monkeys because everybody loves monkeys, right? Haven't you always wanted a monkey? They're so cute. Uh, some of them. Only a lot destroyed. Well, you know, I don't know. I just watched. Uh, have you watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes? I have not. No, it looks good. Though. Yeah, it's uh, make you not well, want a monkey. Is it, that what you're saying? It, you know, it depends all on how you treat your monkey. <laughs> they may, as, as the the movie implies, they may rise up against you if if you don't treat them right. But um, my tongue bleeding. <laughs> and the, and the final thing I'm going to mention here, and uh, I'm a big uh, fan of this, but a uh, total finder. If nothing else, it offers, and I will pretend that I'm echoing here, but it offers, if nothing else, finder with tabs, and it's just such. A wonderful way to use the finder when you have tabs and you can bop between different different windows or rather than having individual windows up and in the finder i much prefer to have tabs um that's so good I, i'm a big fan of that program it's it's reasonably priced i forget i think it's 10 bucks or, or something like that and it's a uh, it's does that it just do, changes the whole experience does that do ftp do you know john hmm? well the finder with tabs because the one i use we've mentioned it on the show before under cool stuff found is forklift which Oh, you right. Can, you can have like side by side finder windows in the same window, yet it'll also do FTP. So you can, if you do any web developing or anything like that, um, drag files right across. And I'm the, looking, the reason uh, we mentioned it was it, it does, if you're transferring from one drive to another, it does a nice job of estimating how long it's going to take a file to get across. That's I don't think Total Finder does FTP, but I'm looking. Uh, Total Finder is 18 bucks, by the way. 18, uh, I'm sorry. Yep. No, which is still a r- totally reasonable price for yeah. what it does. Um, yeah, I don't think it does FTP. I'm not seeing it listed on, on the on the feature list. Uh, oh, no. Uh, no, it's uh, Forklift is the one. Yeah, forklift like said, that does that, FTP as that well. It does FTP. Oh. Yeah. Um, I do not think Total Finder does. But you know what? We'll check with the folks at Binary Age and uh, and we'll get back to you on that. Because that's, uh, that's what we like to do. All right. Are we good with the uh, finder? If you have any questions or, of course, uh, some of you are going to have your own tips that we didn't mention. So we'll uh, we'll pile those up and and run through them in a uh, in a follow up show, because that's what we like to do. Yeah, good. Everybody good. I can I can move on, John. All right. Just make sure the tips are not expensive. Make sure what? Well, no, we we cannot guarantee that we've had more than one person write in cursing us for. Helping them spend their hard-earned dough. That's, That's right. right. That's uh, hey. What, what spe- you do here too? Speaking of spending your hard-earned dough, I want to talk to you <laughs> about our first sponsor for the show, which is actually a new sponsor. Uh, it is Hover at Hover.com. Now, put very simply, Hover is. I see Pete's thumb up, so this is good. You're going to help I me out. With this. Okay, good. I had I had heard of Hover. There are domain names uh, uh, registrar, so you can uh, go and and transfer your domains there and manage your domains and of course register new domains. One of the big things, and of course this is I, I think kind of their modus operandi there, but one of the big things you're going to notice when you go to Hover, and especially as you go through the purchase process, and especially hey, you're going to somebody have their sound turned up here, uh, hey. and and especially if you. Uh, have registered domains elsewhere is you're going to notice that 
One thing Hover doesn't do is try and sell you a jillion other things along with your domain name. You kind of go and you put in your domain name and suddenly you're at the cart ready to check out. It's amazing. You don't have to go through six screens of, are you sure you don't want this? Uh, of course they do offer other stuff, but they don't shove it down your throat. Uh, so it's, uh, and, 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 and they do a lot of cool stuff. Um, when you and I just started, I, I put a domain in there that I own, and I started transferring it in to uh, to kind of test the service. And they've got this, well, it, you know, it's kind of like uh, what you do there, Pete. They got this FedEx tracking system thing going okay. on, uh, where they let you know they kind of let you see where the domain. Is. It's cool. Uh, so it, it it's uh, it's hover. They're not new by any stretch. In fact, they were started by uh, two cows, um, and and they're they've been around for since ninety four, so sixteen years, seventeen years. And, uh, and, and they really know what they're doing over there and it's so clean and so easy to use. It's really, it was a, I, again, I'd heard of them, but until uh, they came on board, I hadn't uh, really dug in and started checking them out. But now it, this is the place you want to go. And they here, have, uh, do you, you want to add something before I tell why. people how to get here's 10% why. off? Uh, I, I don't know the code for 10% off, but okay. here's why you're going to, if you're using somebody else now and you think you're happy with them, I'll. Bet you dollars to donuts that they're charging you for domain name privacy. When someone does a who is yeah. on your domain name, they get your name, address, phone number, birth date, you know, all that other good identity, you know, obviously not, yeah, birth date, not birth but date, other right. identity theft stuff. It's included free with every hover domain. Well, there you it's go. Just an option to check. And if you're having difficulties, I had a bunch of A records and some C names and MX records to change with some domains as I was bringing them across. Now, it isn't 24-7 phone service, but when you call them on the phone between 8 and 5 Eastern time. Actually, it's between between 9 and 8 p.m. Eastern time. 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time. uh, About the second or third ring, someone actually picks up the phone and says, "Uh, hello, this this is Mike. Can I help you? Or, you know, whatever their name happens to be. They pick up the phone. They answer. You don't go through this crazy voice. Oh, it, it's I'm true. They, they call it service. they call it their no wait phone support, which is exactly what you just talked about. So uh, you want to sign up with Hover. You want to try a domain with them. You want 10 percent off. Here's how it works. The coupon code is very simple. It's what we try to use for everybody that wants to do a coupon code. It is simply MGG. Now you can go to Hover and get to your cart and put in the code there. Or if you want to make it even easier on yourself, if you visit Hover.com slash MGG, It'll automatically roll that coupon code forward. And when you get to your card, it's already going to be uh, it's already going to be there. So either way, you can visit hover.com and then put in MGG as your coupon code when you buy or hover.com slash MGG. And you'll have it automatically when you uh, when you go there. So go ahead and check them out and uh, and let us know what you think. Uh, they are, a, a like I said, a new sponsor here, and uh, we are happy to have them. So I want to uh, go into the question that kind of led to this Finder thing, and, and uh, it's not really related to the Finder, but that's okay. Johnny D over at Backbeat Media, he uh, he asked in a staff meeting one day, he says, I, I got to figure out a way. He says, I've got a couple of PDFs for my kid uh, that are, uh, you know, he's got some stuff he's doing for school, but. I need to combine them. He says, I need to take pages from one and combine it into another. And uh, you can do that in preview, although it's not painfully obvious. Uh, So what you do is you open up your PDF in preview and you have to open the drawer first uh, and you open both of them. And, uh, and what I recommend doing actually is making a copy of one, whatever you want to make kind of the final one. And then open two PDFs or four PDFs or however many you want 
And when you open the little drawer, it's called the drawer in, in lion. It's called the sidebar in, uh, in snow leopard. And you can force this to open even on one page PDFs. Uh, you just go to the view menu and it's right there. Uh, you'll see a uh, kind of thumbnails of all the pages and, and whatever one you have selected is the one you'll see in the main window. Well, you can take those pages there and drag them around. In fact, you can reorder a PDF right from here, but you can also take them and drag them to another file that you have open in preview. So you can consolidate PDFs and put them all into one. And, uh, and so that was the, uh, that was the kind of the thing. And then we started talking about the finder sidebar and that, so there you go. That's uh, that's my little tip and, and trick and, and helpful thing for preview and PDFs that you can you can consolidate them and move them around. It's good stuff. You knew that, right, John? I'm pretty sure I came across that when someone on Twitter challenged mm. everyone, how can I combine PDFs without having to buy extra software? Yeah. That, I think that. I stumbled across it. Yeah. Preview has a lot of uh, kind of unknown capabilities. And I think that's one of them is the ability to uh, combine PDFs if you uh, treat it right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's go on to uh, to Lucas here. Lucas writes, I have a late 2006 Mac mini uh, as my home media server. All of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, it started displaying pixel artifacts on screen. Uh, the problem also occurs when I boot from my Snow Leopard install disk and when I boot from an external USB drive with a brand spanking new Snow Leopard installation, which suggests suggests to me it's not an OS corruption. The pixelation does not occur, occur right away at startup, but shortly after the Apple logo disappears. For what it's worth, Apple's hardware test uh, reports no problems. Interestingly, when I boot from the Apple hardware test disk or when I start up in safe boot mode, everything looks normal which suggests it's not a monitor cable or VGA adapter problem. What uh, he says, is it a problem with the integrated Intel GMA 950 graphics processor? Why does the problem not occur in safe boot mode, nor from the hardware test disk, but does occur when starting from OS install disks, etc.? What can I do, John? Yes. You going to help Lucas out here. I'm going to help him. So yes, his instinct is correct. There are, Many Apple machines, I don't think it's just the mini, I think, well, maybe it is just the mini, but in order to, I guess, save a little money, they used something, uh, as he's pointing out, a graphics chipset from Intel. And rather than having dedicated VRAM or video RAM, it actually shares the RAM that is also used by the computer. So my instinct tells me that, yes, this is a problem with the RAM, because there is no, again, there is no dedicated video RAM. So it, uh, I suspect it's a problem with the RAM inside of this machine. Okay. So, so, so I'm with him on, on, on his uh, analysis here. Now here's the, and now wh why it happens in some case and another is, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not even going to go there as far as how the machine chooses what RAM to use for video and Got stuff it. like that. But still, I think it's either a failing RAM chip or maybe one that's not seated properly. Now, here's the bad news, though, though I did send him a link to this. The bad news is that some of the early Mac minis, especially the one he's pointing out, which is a 2006, uh, getting out of the RAM was not an easy task. And uh, if, if uh, any of you have heard of Mac mini lore, uh, you typically got to get yourself a, a putty knife in order to pry this machine open. 
Now, I did send him a video. We haven't, uh, I don't think we've heard back yet, but um, I found something at everymac.com that actually has a very nice video showing you how you can pry this machine open and get to the RAM chips. So, um, my suspicion is that it's, it's bad or failing RAM, or maybe it needs to be reseeded. But that's, um, see, that's actually, assuming that's the problem, and it certainly could be based on the fact that he has this chip that uses RAM. Mm-hmm. This is actually good news, right? This is one instance where having this this chip that uses, uh, you know, your RAM as opposed to having its own onboard RAM uh, is a good thing because if it was his video RAM that was going bad, that's typically not user replaceable by any stretch. Uh, even though it's tough to open the Mac Mini, you can replace the RAM that's in there and maybe that'll solve his problem and, and breathe new life back into this machine. Yeah, there are very few. I, I think there are a couple of... I think most Macs now, yeah, the, the the video RAM, if if it has separate video RAM, is not something that's typically user upgradable or replaceable. It's, yeah, it's soldered right soldered. to the motherboard along with along with the uh, the the GPU. Yeah. So um, now the question, though, and I think you can address this, Dave. So the question is, he said he ran Apple hardware tests, and it said, ah, yeah, your RAM's okay. And uh, what, what do you got to say about that? Uh, I- as we've talked about before, I think as we've talked about Apple hardware test is only good in that when it reports something is broken, it is almost always correct. However, when it reports that everything is OK, it is not always correct. It will miss things. Uh, there is a better memory test program. It's called MemTest. Uh, it's included if you install Applejack. With, or it can be included if you do the optional installs when you install a program called Applejack, uh, which I recommend you install on every machine you have because it's a great troubleshooting utility. You use Applejack uh, or MemTest from the uh, safe mode prompt. So you boot into safe mode or single user mode. Sorry, different than safe mode. You boot into single user mode with command S and get to the uh, command line. If you've installed Applejack, it'll have all kinds of little options there for you. But uh, but you can simply type memtest at that point, and I believe that'll start it. The reason you want to do it in single user mode is you memtest can only test RAM that is not currently in use. Um, so actually, this may well he says it's not. It may it may help find it. Um, the uh, the it so in single user mode you're using less RAM for system resources, and there's a lot more left open that that it can test. Now memtest could take several hours uh, to run through your RAM, depending on how you do things and how fast your machine is. But it is going to do an exhaustive test of your RAM, and I have seen it report stuff bad and, and correctly bad. It, it essentially it's a hundred percent right. If it says your RAM is good, your RAM's good. Uh, if it says your RAM's bad, your RAM's bad. So, uh, so I like memtest. You can also check it out at memtestosx.org, I believe is where you can download that from, but, but it is baked right into the installer for Applejack. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I got to say my feeling on this. I mean, when you look at this machine, so the Mac mini is a fine machine. I'm very happy with mine, mm-hmm. but you're looking at this thing. It's a 2006, it's 1.6 gigahertz. As far as I can tell, the maximum memory you can get in this thing is two gigabytes. There's no going beyond this for, mm. for this class of mini. That's, that's not a lot uh, <laughs> for running any version of OS 10. I mean, I think I told you when I, when I bought my mini Dave, I got it with two gigs of Ram and I quickly determined this is yeah, definitely as a media, not a, as a media server. 
it, that probably would work okay. Perhaps. Okay. All right. If yeah. you're not running a lot of apps, then okay, I'm I'm with you. It could act as a server. So perhaps the investment, and I don't I don't have it in front of me here. So it, if if it is not other hardware and it is the memory chips itself, then I think at the very least. So so if you're comfortable, Lucas, going into this machine, if you, if you're okay with the soldering iron and, and a grounding strip and and you watch the video and you're cool with that and you you, you want to pry the machine open, I would say that replacing the RAM is is worth it. And I, I couldn't imagine that that these chips, although they may be expensive because they're kind of hard to get, but I couldn't imagine it costing you more than a hundred bucks or so. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can fiddle, right. I can fiddle around and, and look, but I would, uh, for the investment, if you want this machine to keep going, then, then I would say replace the RAM. And if it still happens, then, then it's a lost cause. And you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you're done. All right. Uh, let's go to Michael. I want to talk a little bit about this. This might turn into a geek challenge, but, uh, but this is for a, a very dear friend of the show. Of course, this is, uh, you're about to hear Michael Johnston. Of course, he is the host of the, we have communicators podcast, but he's also the one that converts this to AAC for you. So, uh, so Michael has something to ask us all. Hey guys, it's Michael Johnston with a question that might end up becoming a geek challenge. Uh, I've been dealing with an issue with my iTunes library since maybe iTunes 10.5 and maybe even earlier than that. My setup is that I have my entire iTunes library, music, movies, etc. on a Drobo, so that means that it's external. Uh, I don't do any sim links or any trickery like that. I just use iTunes preferences to specify that my iTunes library is on an external drive. And it's been working great like that for, I would say, a year or two now. However, recently I've been having an issue where random albums will transfer themselves to my internal Macintosh HD. And they're not transferring themselves to my home folder. They're actually transferring themselves to the root of the drive. So when this happens, a new folder called Music is being created on the root of the drive. And within that, I have an iTunes, iTunes Media, Music, and the respective artist and, and albums. And when this happens... The music stops working in iTunes, and by that I mean I get the little exclamation mark by the songs, indicating that iTunes can't find the file, and if I double-click it, it says, hey, do you want to locate it? I don't know where it is. So if I go into the spot where the music should be and move that folder back from the Macintosh HD into my Drobo, the music files begin to work again because that's where iTunes assumes those files should be. However, once I do that, iTunes promptly then moves those files back to my Macintosh HD and that's where the extreme confusion comes from. Uh, iTunes moves the files itself and then forgets that it did that. Um, and it, it keeps doing this. I don't know why. It doesn't seem there's any reason to it. Um, it seems to happen consistently once iTunes has decided to move an album or artist to the internal drive. It keeps doing it every single time I move it back. Um, I've even done the 
recreating my iTunes library as wow. per the Apple support article HT one four five one, which I thought actually fixed the problem. I actually recreated it, and there were a few albums that weren't working properly, so I just downloaded them with iTunes Match, and everything seemed to be fine. However, it's doing it again with some music that I newly added to my iTunes library. Uh, I haven't found anything else. It was actually doing it with some video files as well, moving video files around in ways that iTunes got confused about. I don't know what to do. It's driving me crazy. It means that I can't listen to some songs. It means that I can't watch some video. And it means that my iTunes library gradually becomes really screwed up. All right. So, yeah, this is crazy. And and the craziest part about this. No, it's not. I've I've listened to this a couple of times, uh, both when we prepped the show. I have the answer. No way. You're going to let me go, aren't you? Okay, so now I'm now I'm going to dive off the deep end because uh, John's going <laughs> to prove me wrong, but that's okay. Uh, so as I'm listening to this, especially this time around, I'm sitting here thinking, this is not like iTunes, right? I mean, when iTunes moves stuff, it keeps track of it. And especially if he says he's rebuilt the library, that t- at least on the surface tells me that there's not some corruption in the library file or, or, or something like that. So... And iTunes just doesn't move things and forget about it. It's pretty good about remembering, you know, where it puts stuff. It's sort of crazy about it, but, but it, you know, it, it doesn't have a track record of losing track of things. And that tells me that this may not be iTunes doing this. And it, oh. it, it makes me wonder if it's Hazel or something like Hazel that's running all the time. You know, maybe, um, you know, you set up some rule or there was some default rule in Hazel that now because your music's on this Trobo, it's like looking there and moving stuff and doing its own thing. The only thing that makes it sound like it's iTunes, of course, is that it's building the file structure um, for, you know, the same as iTunes. But but uh, I don't know. So I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, John, because I've got some more and it might have to do with something <laughs> wacky in the volumes folder being wrong on his Mac. Maybe he needs to clean that out. Uh, in fact, that that would actually be a one place to check if you check your volumes folder. So you go to your hard drive. And and for those of you following along at home, which, of course, is everybody else, uh, when you mount another drive like a Drobo, uh, it shows up on your desktop as and, and in the finder sidebar as a separate disk. But the way the computer's seeing it is inside your volumes folder, which is the top of your hard drive in a folder called volumes that is invisible, but you can go there by going to the finder, go to the go menu and, uh, and choose go to folder and then type in slash volumes with a capital V. And that will bring you there. If you see anything listed here, that is a duplicate of, or uh, of a drive that's attached or a drive that's not attached it probably needs to be deleted. These are only pointers to drives and they should look like little aliases with the little arrows. Um, they're not technically aliases, but, uh, but that's close enough for, for these purposes, they're pointers, but anyway, they're mount points is what they are. So, uh, so it, it could be that he's got something wacky out here. That's pointing to the root of his drive. That shouldn't be, uh, it should be pointing to the root of his Drobo and maybe that's what's going on. So those are my those are my kind of off the cuff thoughts, John. But uh, but if you have the answer, Great. go. Well, I don't know if I have an answer. So, number one, I don't know if everybody is at home when they're listening to this. They could be in their car. Well, yeah, was, they could I was, be on the train. I, was using uh, I know. A, I know. It's a colloquialism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. OK. <laughs> no, my only 
head scratcher here is that I would look in iTunes advanced. Uh, and there are two checkboxes here that I think may be relevant to Michael's situation here. And I'm curious what the state of them are. So one is there's a little checkbox that says keep iTunes media folder organized. And there's another one copy files to iTunes media folder when adding to library. And I'm, and a third one is iTunes media folder location, which I think we know where that is right now. That's pointing to his, uh, I guess his Drobo, right? Right. So I'm curious what's in that advanced section there. And then I'm wondering if the, the, the disconnect between where iTunes thinks things are and where they actually are. And that sounds like the, I think is the root of the problem here could be explained by the settings in, in, in that portion of the window. So I think this, the, uh, I've, so I'm, I'm lying. I, I can't answer it. <laughs> but, but no, but I can't answer. But no, but I think, well, you know, the other part, well, no, I think he said he did this is, um, you know, many of the Apple programs, when you launch them, will offer an option. And does iTunes do this? I don't know if it does. But if you hold down a lot of programs, uh, option command, maybe iTunes does not do this. Yeah. When you open iTunes, you can hold option and get choose library because I run about three different libraries. OK. Well, no. OK. So you're right, Pete. So option in a lot of Apple programs, if you hold down option, I think this applies to a question we're going to have coming up. Actually, I just did option command and what happens, which I gosh, what is this? I just held down option command and launched iTunes and it says okay. iTunes is running in safe mode. And I think all that means it says visual plugins you have installed have been temporarily disabled. Huh. I think that's all it's doing. Yeah. I think that disables. Let's see. I'm looking. Oh, of course. Marvel's knowledge base doesn't respond the first time I load it. Uh, you know what? What is with that? You know, know. I've had that consistently. Anytime yep. I try to get something in their knowledge base, the first time it says, huh? And the second, when I reload, it comes up. Uh, it, it, it's a it's caching been, thing. It's got to be some caching thing. In Safari, you think? Got to clear No, on Apple's servers. Really? Yeah. Wow. What do they do? Yeah. All right. So, Actually, that would, you know, that would be interesting because uh, it, this only disables add-ons to iTunes, but... Uh, but if, if Michael knows, you know, that it's happening consistently with a certain song, uh, th this would be a way to troubleshoot iTunes. I mean, I don't know if he has any add-ons installed. Most people probably don't. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's worth a shot. Yeah. Clearly, his machine is haunted. I think that's right. He should send it to me. I'll no, perform an exorcism. He can get a new machine. Now, wash it with hot, soapy that's water, it. Michael. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> But, but, but no, uh, so what I was offering, so it's, it's interesting in the Apple programs is that holding down option and command will often now not in iTunes, iTunes is just something I didn't expect there. We just told you what it was, but in the photo apps, it will typically, uh, whether it be iPhoto or aperture, bring up a pretty detailed, uh, rebuild library in hopes of us fixing a problem that exists. But, but it looks like all of the Apple programs, when you hold an option and command, it'll do something special that'll help you debug or diagnose or rebuild your, your, uh, libraries. Cool. So, all right. Well, if anybody has any more thoughts or Michael, if any of this stuff helped, let us know and uh, we'll report back. And, and big update. Oh, ramp chip prices. I found this. So oh, I went yeah, to maxsales.com. Yeah. So a two gig upgrade kit. It's less than I thought, Dave. I thought because these chips are relatively rare, but actually so to replace those chips in that Mac. Uh, uh, and so I went to their memory upgrade section, uh, Mac mini 2006, $32. Wow. Same day, same day shipping. I don't know if it's free or whatever, but they say, yeah, so 30, so it's not even a hundred bucks. Like I thought. So for $33, if you can stand now, that's the thing you may want to get a technician to 
pop the machine open and replace the RAM chip. But yeah, for so you may be spending more in in uh, labor than in parts here. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, right, right. All right. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Corey. Corey, Corey is actually uh, another friend of Mac Geekab here, although uh, not someone that you've heard us talk about. And and in the future, we will be talking about something that Corey is uh, perhaps working on for us. And and we won't go too deep into that, but just let's say he's oh, in oh the, that Corey. He's oh in the yes, business oh, of, Corey's our good friend. He's in the business of app development. So uh, so that's enough enough said about that. Uh, Mm-hmm. Corey has a question and we'll come back to Corey at the end for some cool stuff found. He says, I was wondering if you've had experience using Google calendars to create a single shared calendar for use at TMO or elsewhere. I've been looking for a solution for a way to keep track of deadlines, appointments, and other schedule items with team members at my business. If you do, perhaps it would be a good topic for discussion. And yeah, we do. Uh, shared calendars are something we do a lot here. John and I uh, have one shared calendar that we use for Mac Geek Cab. Uh, Backbeat Media and TMO, we have several shared calendars that we use. One actually just as a published calendar for like company holidays and that sort of thing, which is really handy. Uh, but what, where it gets really fun is if you use Google Google Apps for domains, uh, you can actually have calendars that are published to all uh, all of the pe- all the people and all the employees of your company kind of automatically. You don't even have to you know con- configure or work together. It just boom, it's all right there and uh, and it works really, really well. Google, the Google stuff works. Uh, it gets a little funky with uh, reminders, but uh, not sorry, not reminders to do's tasks. Uh, but otherwise, with the with the calendars and reminders and all of that stuff, it works great. So. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really easy solution. And, and on a mobile device, it actually Google will act as an exchange server. Uh, and it works really well there for, for that type of stuff too. Now, so I only ask you, it. Dave, yeah, go ahead. It's free to, a, depending on how you're using it, it's also free. So yeah, right. go ahead. Now let me ask you this. So for example, you and I decided because the mobile me, iCloud migration that they, in my humble opinion, they totally messed it up. Sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, in that you and I were sharing a mobile me calendar and then I decided to make the bold move to move to iCloud. And of course, once I did that, I lost access to our shared mobile me calendar. That's right. Yeah. Cause which we would schedule our, our shows, which, you know, our schedule isn't, you know, overly <laughs> complex, but it's sure. nice to have it available. Right. So my, my devices can beep at me and say, Hey John, get ready. But uh, so we decided to move back to the uh, Gmail solution, which is, I guess, a CalDAV solution. Well, as is iCloud, right, but they it, both it, are. It, it, yeah. Yeah, though iCloud is, yeah, I, I don't know why they limited. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into it. But uh, what I want to ask you, Dave, the, so really the thing what is. They changed, just to, to, to be clear, they changed the authentication of it. They didn't change the okay. fact that it's CalDAV or any of that. It's just you're authenticating with MobileMe or iCloud, but right. the CalDAV once, servers do not match. So you And can't. once I migrated from MobileMe, I lost the ability to log in with my MobileMe account to the calendar. Because your MobileMe account doesn't exist for the calendar right, because anymore. They right. Pretty much right. They disabled that functionality once I migrated. Right. That's that's exactly what happened. Which to me is lame. Yeah. Well, just lame. well, I yeah, I agree it's lame. I get why they did it because yeah. otherwise you'd have an iCloud account and a MobileMe account with the same email address, the same yeah, login. So, yeah, well, okay. Uh, I mean, I, listen, this is Apple. Right. We're used to dealing with funky stuff like that here because we're the geek gab. But Apple doesn't operate that way. Right. They want to make it simple. And to make it simple, mm. sometimes they I, right. I'm not agreeing with them. I'm just explaining that this is what we have to expect yes. dealing with Apple. So my question to you is at one point, I think what you did. So so once I made the move here and messed everything up, you then sent me an invite saying, hey, John, come join 
So I think you needed my Gmail address, and then you sent me an invite to join this shared calendar where you and I both have read and write access. That's right. Yeah. And I guess my question is, I'd never, I I don't think I've ever seen that, but so, so did you just go to the Gmail calendar interface and say, oh, by the way, set up this person at Gmail or whatever the email address is, send an invite to this person so they can log into the CalDAV server and have these privileges. I think that's what you did, right? That's a, no, that's an excellent question because I told Corey, you could do this, but I didn't, we didn't talk about how. So yeah, you, you go into your Google account, right? So, and go to google.com slash calendar. Uh, if you have a Gmail account, you also have a calendar associated with that account. Uh, in, pre- in fact, any Google account can have a calendar associated with it. So you go there and I created a calendar out there called Mac Geek Gab. And then as you float over the calendar or as you go to the if you go to calendar settings, uh, which now is in the right hand upper right hand corner under the little gear, uh, you go to calendars and then you can click on share this calendar. And mm. and so what I did was I knew your Gmail address and I knew that you had your calendars associated with this address. Uh, so what I did was I just added you into this and I said, make changes to events and I hit save. So you go out here and, and you in this share section, you put the person's email address and then you have four options that you can do. You, you can uh, only let them see whether you're free or busy. So they won't see the details. They'll just see that you are either available or not. Uh, you, you can have the default is that they can see all the event details, but they can't make changes. There is, uh, then there's one level up from that where you can see the events and make changes. And then there's one level even above that, which essentially makes them an administrator, which gives them the option to add other people to the calendar, uh, and manage sharing. And so I just did that for you. I said, make changes to events and boom. And now, uh, because you are already subscribed to your Google calendar and all of that, it just magically works for you. So yeah, it's good stuff. It's, um, it works really well. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. And then when you, when you subscribe to the calendar, you can actually choose the option of whether or not you want to see notifications like of, of alerts and all that stuff. So that if somebody puts an alert out, you may not want that or, or maybe you do and you know, no. all of that good all stuff. Right. Yeah, it's good. It's, um, yeah, like I said, it works really well and it's free if, with your Gmail account uh, where it gets, like I said, where it gets easier is if you have a Google apps for domains, if we had, and we do have this, we just don't use it for calendars. But if we used our MacGeekGab.com email addresses to subscribe to Google calendars, we could push this stuff out as a MacGeekGab company wide calendar and, and do all that, which is really handy. But you know, I think you should think about, well, no, because you and I, I've seen now, so where you and I are both gearing up for uh the joy that is Macworld. Macworld slash. No, Macworld pipe iWorld. Pipe, right. Right. I'm it's sorry, it's not character. a slash. You're right. It's a pipe, which is an or, correct? Yeah, that's right. So it's Macworld or iWorld. I hadn't not thought both. of it that way. It is not both. That's right. It is Macworld or iWorld, not both. That's Because right. right now you and I are, are, are scattering various events on the calendar on our Mac Geek App calendar, but I wonder if we want to open it up to the rest of the staff. Right. And actually, we've we've evolved as far as how we schedule things uh, on the staff here, as far as uh, the events we go to and the people that we meet with and stuff like that. And we, we've typically done low tech. So I wonder if we want to do a, a calendar based solution this time around. Yeah, we'll discuss it at the next staff meeting. I don't know. It could get kind of crazy, though. I, I just like a spreadsheet because you can kind of see everything in in one shot. 
versus uh oh yeah, yeah there's something a... to be said for that too that's right yeah yeah but right. you can view oh your calendar gosh. as a list so you know there's that too but yeah it's Mac world or iWorld. second sponsor for this show john is audio engine at audioenginusa.com fantastic speakers is what these people make. Uh, they make some other things too, but really it's the speakers and the amplifiers. Actually it, 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 one, one does not work well without the other. And, uh, and they build uh, the a fives and the a twos are speakers and amplifiers together matched, perfectly matched. I should say, and, uh, and they just sound great. On my desk here in the studio, I've got the A5 speakers, which are what they call their bookshelf speakers, uh, a little bit larger than uh, your typical desktop speaker, but still easily fit on the desk. Uh, these things sound so good. They've got two speakers inside the enclosure. I know you've heard me talk about this before if you're a Mac Geekab listener of any length, but man, these, these things, there's just some of the best speakers that I've heard. Uh, they, 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 they're larger than their size would indicate. They, uh, they really have a nice clear sound really well defined and, uh, and they can fill a room. It's uh, it's actually kind of crazy that I have them here in the studio because, uh, they, they, they're far more than this room ever needs, but they just sound great. Uh, so you've got the a fives and then you've got the a twos, which are what I would call their little brother. More geared for, frankly, the environment that I'm in here, uh, more for a desktop, a uh, little bit smaller. Same idea. Two speakers in each enclosure. They have their own amplifier. Great stuff. And even those can fill a room uh, and uh, and they and they, too, sound fantastic. So you can go to Audio Engine and check these out. The uh, A5s are three ninety nine a pair. Uh, the a twos are one ninety nine a pair and you can get them in black or white. However, you get to save 10% using the coupon code M G G T E N for 10% off. Uh, they do offer a 30 day free trial. They call it a free audition. If you get them and you don't like them, you've got 30 days to send them back and they'll send you all your money back. So it's uh, it's essentially no risk and, and a lot of joy. So go ahead and check it out. AudioEngineUSA.com and M-G-G-T-E-N as your coupon code to get you that 10% off. Great stuff. All right. So let's look here, John, and see. I got to kind of get a feel for where we are because we're definitely not going to get through everything that we had no for well, we're, at, uh, we're at about 55 here yeah that's right well, we my can do, clock we'll is do, correct we'll do another uh another question or two and then uh and then we've got quite a bit of cool stuff found to go through so i'm trying to look uh do you have anything in particular by uh by name of of questioner there john name of name of uh submitter uh, let's see mm, nope. all nope. right then uh then we'll just do aladdin nope. here well no i'm looking uh, all right that's now I'm looking one. at the choices here and just just go. All right. So we will uh, we will look at look at Aladdin. So Aladdin writes, my mom's iMac died the other day. And when I came by to try to fix it, it seems that the LCD has broken. The funny part is that it might be more than the LCD since it doesn't go into the login screen. The chime rings. Uh, and instead of the gray apple, I see squares of white and black. It then goes into the blue screen. But then instead of booting up, it goes back to a white and black screen, but without the Apple. The rainbow cursor then appears and it spins and gets stuck there. 
My mom took it into an authorized service provider and they told her that it would cost about $900 to replace the LCD, but did not say about any other hardware problem. My guess is that they didn't go into it to see if there was anything else damaged. It's obviously out of warranty, and with the things my mom does with her machine, I'd rather she buy an iPad or a new machine than simply replace the LCD. My question is this. Can I attach an external monitor to the iMac via mini DVI to troubleshoot? Okay. Uh, So... To answer Um, your question, yes, you can. The direct question. Yes, we're going to answer the direct question. So, yes, you can attach uh, another monitor, but that gets a little funky because now you're going to have a two monitor setup and you may not see what you expect. A better solution, if you can boot it to the point and it doesn't sound like it's booting to the point where it has network access. But uh, but if it does, uh, then, of course, you can do screen sharing and connect to it if you've turned that on. Uh, But all of that said. I don't think it I'm not convinced that the LCD is broken. It it sounds No, no, just the fact that you're seeing anything on the LCD. Right. I I, I got to say to uh, what, what what he's seeing is something unexpected. That's right. He's seeing what you should never see when the machine boots up, which when you see see the machine boot up, you get a screen of a certain color. You got the little spinning, uh, you know, progress wheel, and eventually you get a login prompt. So something I think is is seriously wrong. Uh, you know, I would I would guess that the hard drive is dying, or the hard drive is, or or the hard drive is corrupted on this machine. Yeah, and I would it say- is just getting terribly confused as to how to even get to the point where you can log in. Yeah, and it may not be dying hardware at all. Like you said, it 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 at the very at the very least, it's corruption of the OS, right? You know, uh, at some level. And then that might be hard drive corruption, which, again, may be hardware or not. Um, but I would. OK, right. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm it, with you. Yeah. Okay. All right. It may not know. be a failing hard drive. It could be just a seriously corrupted yeah. operating system on the hard drive. Which, yeah. to me, what do you do then? You do the. Yeah, now, that's tough, though. I, well, see, the first I thing, certainly hope backups were made. Right. Yeah. The first thing I would do is. Boot with command V held down. Now V will boot you into V as in verbose uh, V as in verbose. Victor. Yeah. It boots you into verbose mode, which, which gets funky, but it can be really helpful, especially when your machine seems like it has frozen during the boot process. Uh, because in verbose mode, you're going to see initially in theory, you're going to see a lot of text scroll by. Uh, this is stuff that happens Every time your Mac boots, they just put a nice shield over it, either gray or blue in color, so that you don't see all this text going by. But this is what happens when you boot a Unix machine and you can see all this stuff and you can see what it's up to. And, you know, I I talked a couple of weeks ago about how the iMac at the house had this weird thing with the boot cache dot playlist file being needing to be rebuilt. John, my Mm -hmm. the, the MacBook Pro that my daughter's been using has had exactly the same problem yesterday. And I put it in verbose mode to boot and I didn't mess with it at all. And after like an hour, it finally finished rebuilding whatever it needed to do and came back up. But I would not have known that any of this was going on if I hadn't booted it in verbose mode. It would just look like, like he discusses it just hanging there waiting to boot. So check. Okay. Yeah. Check out verbose mode. And then the other thing to do is I'll say one thing and then I'll let you go. The other thing Uh to do is just uh, 
boot from your your operating system CD, be it Lion or well, Lion doesn't have a CD, Snow Leopard or Leopard or whatever, and just see if you can get the thing to boot, and then you can run disk utility. But even just the act of booting from the C, the DVD itself is going to tell you a lot more about the state of your hardware, uh, especially the LCD screen. If it's funky there, yeah, then you might have a hardware problem. Uh, so there you go. So John, go ahead. And I'm going to go ahead here. I have another option, Dave. You may want to boot in what is known as safe boot or safe mode. Oh, that's true. And yeah. that's described in because I know you love it when I do this, Dave, but this is in article HT 1564 in the knowledge base. Again, I know you love it when I. Re- that's great. No. You and Michael. I, I know, you, got I know you shake. I know you shake your fist at me when I do that. <laughs> but we will we will link to this article in the lovingly handcrafted show notes that I I. I yeah, generate shortly after the show is published. Um, and we'll tell you about that in a moment. But anyways, the, the, the reason you may want to do safe boot is that safe boot is a limited mode where it only loads the bare minimum, I would say, uh, in the summary. And well, they give a summary, but I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to say it boots the machine in a mode where the very bare minimum of kernel extensions. Well, it does a bunch of things. Now I am going to read some of this to you. So it does a directory check of the startup volume, right? It only loads required kernel extensions. So you could have a wacky kernel extension. Um, it runs. Uh, it, uh, so we'll link to the article here, but I would say that is another thing you may want to do here. Now, if you can boot in safe mode and not normally boot, then it's almost certain that you have major corruption on your hard drive. And yeah, you want to do the nuke and pave thing, but yeah. safe mode, you may be able. So, so along with Dave's suggestion that verbose, although a lot of what you see may be hieroglyphics and that you don't really know what it's telling you safe mode is another strategy when you have a machine that's not starting up properly or misbehaving to, uh, to get to a certain point. Actually, you know, I, I think I had this Dave when I did have, a problem with, I think, a corrupt curl extension. I actually think booting in safe mode, it actually repaired. I think yeah. it was a corrupt uh, uh, kernel extension cache or something. And once that. I did safe mode, then the machine booted up properly after that. So, so that is my suggestion. Safe mode certainly could not hurt, and it may it may help. And, and one last thing before we leave this question behind: you said you went into an authorized Apple service provider, which is exactly mm. what it says, but it's not an Apple store. Uh, right now, I have had great luck with my particular authorized Apple service provider called Mac Edge here. They really know what they're doing and they're really out to help the customer. Uh, and I'm not saying that yours isn't. However, uh, if there's a repair that's going to cost 900 bucks, the first thing an authorized Apple service provider should do is tell you, look, you might be better off calling Apple Care, even though you don't have Apple Care. And seeing if they will qualify you for what's called flat rate repair, because oftentimes flat rate repair on a machine like this is usually going to be like 300 bucks or less. And it covers everything. Uh, it essentially buys you Apple care for that repair. And then anything that, that any follow up work from that repair for 90 days. So hang on, Pete, you're uh, you got to he's breaking up, man. He's, got, he's breaking yeah, up. Bad, bad mic cable there. So. Uh, no, no. So we will, uh, we will come back to Pete, but uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to come back to you. Uh, he's going to reseed his microphone while he, while he works on that over there. You got any, uh, is that better? That is yeah, better. That's more better. Go ahead. Hey. I was just going to say, it, it does not cover your battery. I had a flat rate repair done on a MacBook recently. It doesn't cover the battery. 
covers everything else. Yeah, you're hey, he's breaking nice up. He's diet. breaking up. You'd think that the guy that con- doesn't cover your battery, Dave. Thanks, be. <laughs> You'd think that the guy that connected via Skype would be the one that we'd have problems with, but no, no. You know, the- Pete, just push Dave aside. Don't be afraid. Her elbows. Just get up, up close that, and personal with it. Dave. Uh, no, nah, you're you're dead, man. I'll try not to. <laughs> just uh, snuggle, snuggle up to Dave. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, you can come on over to the mic. We're all friends too. here. That's right. Uh, um, all right. So it does not cover the battery. That's true. Yeah. But check out the flat rate repair and see if that, uh, if that helps because they, they you know, call up Apple, uh, you know, and, and see what, uh, see what that does. All right. Let's move on to cool stuff found. Really? Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As I said, it's cool stuff found. Sorry, we uh, we paused the show there quick to see if we could fix Pete's mic. And I think I think so. We Ooh. fixed it. So good. I, I, <laughs> little, no, that was me. Little bubble gum, little duct tape and some, you know, bailing wire. I think Speed we're all right. That's it was right. an analog problem, right? It was. Yeah, it still is. Actually, we're still using the uh, the faulty cable, but uh, but I think we'll make it to the end here with this. So, all right. To uh, cool stuff found. I mentioned before that Corey had. uh uh, some things to suggest. And so we're going to burn through these pretty quick. Number one, he says it plain text is an uh, app I've been using for quite some time for some very simple note taking on my iPad with the added benefit of having those same files on my iPhone and on my computer via Dropbox has been very, very useful for me. I use an app called simple note for that, uh, which again, syncs kind of everywhere and really handy. I, I, yeah, it's awesome to be able to just take those quick little, it's like the notepad, but it sinks, and so it's way better than the notepad because it's just everywhere, and it really works well. Uh, number two, he says Plex, P-L-E-X, is an awesome media system, which I've been using for a couple of years now. I have a Mac Mini hooked up to my entertainment center through HDMI, which is then connected to a Drobo chock full of movies and TV shows. I use Plex as the front end, which works great with my Harmony remote, and it's really simple to use. It even passes the girlfriend test as she can use it when I'm not around. Uh, I figured there's nothing. No, that's that's a that's a valid thing. If you're the, if you're the geek and your 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 partner is not or your kids are not. It needs to pass, you know, what I used to call the babysitter test. I yeah. need to be able to hand the remote to the, and that's, oh, what the, okay. that's what the harmony remote's good for is you hand it to the babysitter and say, press the watch TV button and you're good to go. And they're good to go. It's okay, still I just, amazing, uh, you, though, someone's you looking maybe, at the remote and can't answer the questions the remote is asking him. It's right. Like, oh, well, well now, that's yeah, their own then you're, fault. Then you're done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just wary of. Yeah, you don't like to offend anybody. I know, John. Well, no, but I mean, no, I'm I'm just I'm uh, no, not offensive. But I mean, you're putting your relationship on the line here by saying the girlfriend test. Yeah. What if she can't cut it? You know, I mean, maybe (laughs) over. Uh, At least I'll let you get a new girlfriend again. Right. That's right. (laughs) There you go. That's right. All right. So that's uh, that's Plex and uh, and plain text and and simple note from uh, from from Corey there. Wow. Uh, let's see. Mark on Twitter posted something that I retweeted from the Mac Geek Gab account. So you can follow Mac Geek Gab on Twitter. Uh, but uh, but I uh, he said that if you double click in the blank space next to the tabs in Safari. So if you go into Safari and you've got, uh, an, you know, enough, if you've got a tab open, but there's enough space between that tab and the end of the line. If you just double click in that space, it creates a new tab automatically right there for you. So that's something I never knew about. New, uh, yeah, you learn something new every day. And that's 
why we're here. Command T will do it too. Yes, that's right. Yeah, well, Command yeah, T will do that. Yeah, right, but, you know, yeah, just saying. But that's not <laughs> hidden, Pete. That's, that's not cool. Yes. Uh, okay, and then we talked about traffic uh, and GPS in the last show, and listener John. Oh, yeah has something really cool to uh, to talk to us about. And actually, of course, as many of you know, it wasn't just John that suggested this. Dave, this is John Michael from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. I was listening to uh, episode 369, where John was talking about uh, traffic rerouting with GPS. You ought to check out the iOS app, Waze, W-A-Z-E, Waze or Waze. It's a social uh, mapping app. I found that it's more accurate than my Garmin in my car in predicting what time it'll take me to get to work through rush hour. I've actually done a little test of it where I've tracked times for when I leave my house and the estimated time of arrival that Garmin says and the estimate, uh, estimated time that Waze uh, tells me. And Waze is always more accurate because it's based on other people using the app and what their travel time is and what they're reporting. So uh, you might want to check that one out. It's actually free and it's actually kind of fun. So uh, love the show. Thanks much. Thanks, John. That's awesome. I like free. Free. It is. I know. Yeah. Well, also I'm, I'm shocked because I, I, you know, I'm I'm on the East Coast here. I didn't think they had traffic in Wisconsin, but apparently they do. <laughs> and yes, it all the Wisconsin listeners will, we, but will you don't shake want to their fist anybody. at me. Yeah, he doesn't want to. <laughs> but I just did, so Wisconsin is off the map. No, no, I know, I know there is. Wisconsin no longer believes in the Mac Geek uh, as a state. No, they do. No, and I see this, but it's a, no, it's a, it's a, you know, compared to little old Connecticut, that's a big state, but Yeah. 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 But that, that no, that's a cool concept of a uh, crowdsourcing. I'm I'm very interested in this all of a sudden since the app told me to do this, Dave. It was like there's traffic. So yeah. I, I'm gonna load it as we speak. Awesome. All right. So while you load, I'm going to mention that Peter, uh, I think he also tweeted us and said uh that you know, there's some cool stuff, you know, buried in iOS in the accessibility settings. So if you go into settings, general accessibility, and go to assistive touch. You can actually create some cool little gestures that can automatically happen and uh, and turn on some other stuff. Of course, it's meant for people that uh, that can't tap or can't do two fingers on the device at once. And uh, and but but, you know, even if you have the capability of doing that, it's cool. Of course, if you don't have the capability of doing that, well, then it's even cooler uh, because they've gone out of their way to create this stuff. But uh, but yeah, go ahead and check it out. It's uh, there's some interesting things. And, you know, while we're while we're there, I will re mention uh, that in I think it's in the accessibility stuff. Uh, you go into accessibility on iOS five in the same spot. You go into hearing there and turn on custom vibrations and then you can create uh, custom vibrations. And I've started doing them with I think I mentioned I started doing it with Morse code. So uh, when, you know, if Lisa calls and I've got my phone muted, I can tell that it's her because I have Morse code for L I S A right there and I can feel it in my pocket. And it's like, okay, I know who's calling me. And, you know, and, or if it, if I don't feel that, if I just, feel you know, my, Morse code, I some, I look, like, I'm the, I'm the, uh, the son and grandson and nephew of three uh, licensed ham operators. So it was, I was kind, of, say, I, I, kind of around. I, I, I knew. Kid. Yeah. I know. I know your dad is, a, is yeah. a, I recall is a ham. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. You know, so. I think you and I would both have gotten into it if it wasn't for the internet. Mm. 
<clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. The computers and the modems and stuff were the the you know our version of that. Certainly, yeah. I mean, my dad would talk around the world when he could work skip and and you know all that when he was a kid and when he and saw what, so, what we were I did doing. Some of that. Modems. Yeah, yeah. On what they call some people Side can will shake their. Well, no, they'll shake their fist. No, well, it, it, it's called the living meter. Oh right, it's a, not right. not quite legal. Right. Um, CB. Right. But I know I remember talking to Europe, especially at night when you get the skip or yeah. uh, no, it's great fun. But yeah, no, I, I remember a friend of mine trying to get me into the whole packet radio and stuff like that. And then yeah, the, the modems and the internet came along and it was like, well, what's the point? Well, that's it. Right. This replaced yeah. that to it. I mean, to a point there's obviously there's still a lot of fun that oh, can sure. be had with hams. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Scott writes, he said, did you know that iTunes now supports entering half stars for song ratings without extra software and iTunes? If you click between the dots or stars for a song, it will show a one half after the stars. I found this out by accident by clicking between the dots. That's pretty cool. That's uh, that's stuff I didn't know. And that folks is what cool stuff found is all about. That's why we uh, that's why we like to do that. So, uh, John, there's a couple things, of course, that we need to go through for uh, contact information and all that stuff. Yeah, but I want to say first that this may very well be I don't know that we're going to get a show in next week. So this may very well be our last show before the new year. Uh, It is certainly our last show before Christmas. So uh, I'm going to say Merry Christmas to everybody. And and I will. And, and, you know, I'm going to go on a little rant here about this. Because uh, go, uh, yeah. Because I think I'll counter your rant. Uh, I think no. I know where you're going with this. Go, go for it. I don't know. See, the thing is, we've gotten this thing in our in our society here where we're so worried about. Uh, I don't know if it's offending somebody or slighting someone. The, the thing is, when somebody says "Merry Christmas" to me or says "Happy Hanukkah" to me or or whatever, I take that as them wishing me a nice day and a nice holiday, and that's a beautiful sure, thing. Sure. And it, whether or not I celebrate whatever they've wished me, they meant good by it. So I take no offense if you wish me happy something that I don't celebrate. It's all good. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever all of that means right. to you. I wish you a good day and a great holiday okay. for yourself. And so I'll just counter. I'll. I'll counter it very quickly. Why are there we is a certain a Merry Christmas. <clears throat> There's no counter to it. I, I, de- I decline your opportunity to counter a Merry Christmas. It's no. meant to be a good thing. Yeah, yes, it is. But 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 I will counter the the folks that take offense if you say Happy Holidays, because to me that's all encompassing. Yes, Christians, that was- Christmas. That 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 that's all good stuff. But don't take offense if somebody says, "Oh, Happy Holidays." And, 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 and no, there, there's a certain segment of the population that seems to get very upset if you don't acknowledge Christmas versus. To me, it's a holiday season. You can have any sort of holiday you want. That's right. And just relax, good. enjoy. You know the, the the whatever you've you know good things have happened throughout the year, being with family and friends and stuff like that. To me, holiday is generic enough where it's not a bad thing. So if somebody oh, says no. happy holidays to you, it's okay. The same. That's right. What? Well, yeah, it, like me. I'm like it, Merry t- Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Well, whatever the heck, it, it's cool. It's all good. Yes, it is a good thing when someone wishes you any of the above. And uh, so take, please right. take. So our, I think we're in agreement. Our holiday wishes that way when we when we say them. But it also may be our. Uh, I think we're going to do a premium show this coming Thursday. But uh, but uh, this is our last opportunity, uh, other than the little notification that we will likely put out for the premium show. It's our last opportunity to also say Happy New Year. Uh, and so we will we will certainly be back after the new year. I'm not sure what our schedule is going to be like next week. So uh, so no. 
no huge promises there on uh, on on getting another show in. So with that, uh, indeed, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all of. Uh, all of that. All the above. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can write us at feedback at macgeekab.com. And Dave, it, th- there is no argument on this point. It is feedback at macgeekab.com. Uh, I thought it was feedback at macgeekab.com. Did you guys change it? Easy for you to say. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I told you two- my tongue was bleeding. <laughs> 206-666-GEEK is the phone number to call. And John, geek is... four three three five. But that that is not the only way you can reach us. Oh, what else? Well, well, we got this, you know, some of the, the kids have heard of this Facebook thing. So if you want to go to Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab, you'll find us there. Uh, we're, we're adding members day by day. Got a nice community there. Um, but what else? Oh, my gosh. There, there's the Twitter thing, Dave. And, you know, if somebody wanted to reach us on Twitter, what would you do? Well, I would uh, go to twitter.com slash MacGeekGab, as we mentioned before, to follow the show. You can go to twitter.com slash John F. Braun to follow you, John. Twitter.com slash Pilot Pete to follow Pilot Pete. And twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton to follow me. And I think that pretty much does it. We do certainly appreciate iTunes comments. Uh, it is the end of the year, and and I do want to say thank you to all of you uh, for simply being here with us. And uh, whether you contribute and and send in questions or tips or anything like that, we certainly appreciate all of that. But uh, but even if you're just here along for the ride and listening and enjoying uh, what we all do together here, you're part of the family just like everybody else, and we really appreciate sure. that. And yeah. supporting our sponsors, that's of course. That's true, yeah, absolutely. But we yeah. love that's every right. single one of them. Yeah, and uh, and on the uh, marketplace right now, of course, is uh, Hover with their 10% off with MGG. Uh, the A2 speakers from Audio Engine, where you can get your 10% off with MGG 10. You can get BB Edit and Yojimbo from Barebones Software. You can get Disclay and PDF pen and text expander and text expanders t- touch rather from uh, from smile and uh, and gazelle of course where you can sell all your old used electronics at gazelle.com all through backbeat media of course we thank cashfly for providing the bandwidth and Michael Johnston hopefully we've got a solution for his problem but uh, we thank him nonetheless for all of his hard work converting this show to AAC. And folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Mac Geek Cab. Wow. Thus, thus comes to an end, Mac Geek Cab 370. As you listen to the band, play us out. Yeah, and yeah. I'll say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, John. Thank you very much for uh, for everything you've done for us all year. Oh, no, oh, no, me. thank you. Thanks. And I'm waiting for my gift. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, guys. So wait, what's my gift, Dave? Your gift is a very important piece of advice, John, and it's something I hope you'll carry with you throughout your entire life, and it is this. Don't get caught. Made up.